Welcome to Code Whack, your podcast on America's broken healthcare system and how Medicare for All could help. I'm your host, Brenda Gazar. So what's on the horizon for California's Medicare for All movement amid the coronavirus pandemic? I spoke to Michael Lighty, a founding fellow of the Sanders Institute and a longtime Medicare for All advocate to find out. Welcome to Code Whack, Michael. Well, thank you, Brenda. It's great to be back. Do you think that the populace in America is now more supportive of Medicare for All than any other time in history? Is that true or not? Uh, Well, I don't know if it's true relative to, say, the 40s. (laughs) But yes, I think it is true. We have really transformed the whole healthcare debate. The healthcare debate is essentially about Medicare for All, if you think about it. If we continue to play offense and we successfully call out the industry for its profit-making, death-creating policies, then, you know, I do think we have even more of an opening. But the Democrats can no longer front for that industry that literally has made like over $10 billion in profits during the pandemic. Why is that okay? $10 billion. Yes, yes. Just between Kaiser and United Health in the second quarter, it was $11 billion. So I'm, I'm being generous. It's probably substantially more than that. Got it. Do you want to talk about the Healthy California for All Commission that Governor Gavin Newsom set up to explore a healthcare system that provides coverage through unified financing, including possibly Medicare for All? I believe they're on hiatus now. What's the latest with that? Well, the hiatus is definitely the latest. I think what we have to understand the Healthy California Commission to be, it is not what single-payer advocates would want it to be, but it is a form to bring over the skeptical middle, to bring over some key players who it's going to be very tough to succeed without their support, right? And and if we had their support, it's a lot easier to win. So people from the healthcare foundations, people from the policy apparatus. So it is worth investing in, in my view, because we can there are sympathetic advocates and policy um, analysts and, you know, powerful people who run powerful, wealthy foundations and from the labor movement, from other sectors, not it's not, you know, dominated or uh, really kind of overwhelmed in any way by the insurance industry. They're not part of it. And we don't we don't maybe talk about that enough. Right. So I, I recognize the limitations and look at the limitations are profound. You've got the lead analyst who basically did an article this year on how Medicare for all is equivalent to repeal and replace and the Democrats should stay away from it. And he's the one giving the analysis on the financing schemes. What a coincidence he didn't mention savings, which is at the heart of the whole program. And he was called out by um, Commissioner Shao, who who has set up like six national healthcare systems. So we've got some very good advocates. Um, CNA has uh, done a very good paper on um, the deficiencies of of the commission, but it's a vehicle and they are going to produce something that the legislature is going to take seriously. And so do we. How long is the commission on hiatus for? Do you know? Uh, Until February, I think. So you see the commission as a tool or vehicle to persuade the middle ground of the benefits of Medicare for all. Yes, exactly. Because the upside is big. If you're actually able to get the commission to say, yeah, we're going to move to single payer financing. All right. That shows a level of consensus that we haven't achieved prior in California. Now, if we fail to do that, we're kind of where we are. 
right? You know, we're just kind of like, okay, the, the usual place. But if we can make progress, I think the upside is, is real. Secondly, though, of course, it's unreasonable to think that the commission, because, of course, it's staffed by the governor's appointees and kind of driven by, by that, um, that it's not going to reflect his views. So putting um, our perspective, putting the demand to the governor uh, for a waiver uh, request is essential. And so we've got to do the grassroots organizing to, to essentially move the governor to uh, initiate a waiver and to then move the commission to um, validate that. And uh, so I, 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 it seems to me it's of a piece, right? And ultimately it comes down to the legislature. So we're gonna have to move key decision makers in the legislature. And of course the chairs of the health and Senate committees are ex officio on the commission. And you can tell in these deliberations that their concerns drive to some extent what the staff responds to and the consultants respond to. So you can't really separate all this. And it has to be everything is everything uh, from the governor to the commission to the legislature. Right. Which leads us into our next question. What do you think California single payer supporters should focus on in 2021? I do think it is uh, moving the governor to do a waiver. I think it's um, getting the best possible outcome from the commission. Because if the commission is devoted to policy, we've got the policy case. And then it's moving key decision makers in the assembly uh, in particular. Um, uh, I'm more optimistic about the Senate. I think it's quite remarkable that Josh Newman's going to be back in the Senate during the SB 562 fight. He was told not to vote for 562. He voted for 562 despite the pending recall. He was he acted on principle. And I think that that is the kind of uh, principle uh, acting that we need. And 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 uh, I hope Josh, uh, you know, continues to do it. Right. Josh Newman was a state senator who was recalled in 2018 and elected again in November. And uh, SB 562 was the Healthy California Act, which would have uh, created a comprehensive and universal single payer health care system for residents in the state. But it never went anywhere. And I do think that the we, the assembly is, is more the issue. But when you've got, I don't know, over 60 Democrats, you got to try to you got to figure there's 41 that we can move. And I think it's going to take some grassroots organizing. So I do think it's we have to focus on that. I, I personally believe that the governor is the linchpin here and, and believe that's the best uh, focus, particularly in the short term before the commission resumes. So how open do you think the governor is right now to Medicare for all? I think he's open. Um, I think it's up to us to prove its um, political viability. You know, we've got to demonstrate support. I totally get it. He is uh, someone who um, has... Um, his feet in all camps, in a sense, right? Because he's got relationships with business. He's got relationships, obviously, with the uh, medical industrial complex and its uh, its uh, professional associations. Um, but, of course, he got tremendous support from the California Nurses Association uh, when I was there, part of it. So, you know, he, he and he has very good relationships with the teachers unions. Um, he supported, you know, um, Prop 15. Right. And Prop 15 would have increased uh, commercial property taxes to fund local governments and schools, but it didn't pass in November. So you can't, he's, he's difficult to classify ideologically, but where he's always come from on single payer is it's the obvious solution because it works better. <laughs> and, and so he is ultimately, a, he's a sophisticated policy guy. And so he understands, I think, that we have the right policy. 
in single payer. Where it stands politically is a separate question. And ultimately, it's kind of on us, isn't it? Thank you, Michael. Find more Code Whack episodes on ProgressiveVoices.com and on the PV app. You can also subscribe to Code Whack wherever you find your podcast. This podcast is powered by Heal California, uplifting the voices of those fighting for healthcare reform around the country. I'm Brenda Gazar.